Greetings, and we welcome you again to an episode of Churches Changing, a podcast about the changing face of ministry in the Western world, especially in the world of United Methodists. I'm here with three special people, each United Methodists, who are based in Lexington, Nebraska, population 11,000. And if there was a theme maybe for this conversation today, it might be just about what does it mean to love our neighbors? I have here the Reverend Velma Tim, who is pastor of First United Methodist Church in Lexington, Albert Longay, who works with Tyson Meat Processing Plant and is also pastors a couple of churches in the area. He works in HR there. And then also Audrey Downey, who has just retired from 41 years in public education, ending her career as the principal at Lexington High School, where, Audrey, you loved and led students from 40 nations. In Lexington, Nebraska, Velma, Albert, and Audrey, we welcome you, and thanks for joining us for the podcast. You all have seen a revolutionary demographic change in Lexington as more and more community residents are now immigrants who are being drawn by work in a meat processing facility in town that employs about one out of four human beings. So where should we begin? Audrey, you have seen the changes in central Nebraska across the years. How does a small Nebraska town cobble together a sense of community with a diverse population such as you've had with, at the high school with students and families coming from everywhere? Well, it doesn't happen over one, uh, overnight. It doesn't happen all at once. It just takes time and preparation. And that was the one thing that I was so impressed with our community when we realized that we were going to get a beef packing plant. It wasn't we didn't wait. We got together. People in the community got together from all from all walks of life, from all of our businesses, and just tried to prepare. What what are the things we can do? I was there for the school, also through the church, and just you know what we needed to know, and that is something people didn't know what to expect. And so we we visited other communities. We we brought people into our communities, and we we just tried to have a plan to be prepared for when immigrants started to come to our community. Has it surprised you the number and the volume of immigrants that have come to Lexington? Was that what you were expecting when the plant opened? When the plant initially opened, I was initially hired to be the ELL teacher for our English language learners. And Uh I'm like, where are they? They the kids weren't coming. It initially just the men started coming, I and see. and so then gradually they would start bringing their families, and initially the majority of our families were coming from Mexico, and okay. and that's what we had in anticipated. But then we've gotten people from so many other parts of the world. That's just you know. You know, I have always said it's it's enriched us with what we've learned from each of them because each of them has a story to tell. And they, you know, they want to be contributing members of our community. They want to work. They want their kids to have a better life. And so that's, it's just been really just a joy for me to be able to, to witness that and to have been in, involved in it all my years here in Lexington. Well, I really got a sense when you met us at the high school the other day that you really loved these kids. I mean, they were just like family to you. And you expected the very best out of them. You know, you would think in a high school with that many backgrounds, it could be the Tower of Babel. But I got a sense that it was not, that you had created a a sense of community. 
Well, and I think one of the most important thing is get to know those kids, get to know their families. When I was teaching in the elementary, um, you know, one of my biggest thing was to do home visits. I needed to get into those homes. I needed to know what those kids were coming from. And even moving into the high school, I, I still did the same thing. And so you get to know those kids, you get to know their families, you understand that that work, the hard work that their parents are doing. One of the things we did here at the high school was we would go out, a high school and, and one of the elementary principals, we would go to Tyson because we felt like if parents sometimes, you know, they were more relaxed with us coming to their environment than them coming to ours. And so we would do go to Tyson and we'd go out there over their lunch break. Or, you know, if we were going to the home, we'd let them know we were coming to the home. And man, when you'd go to those homes, they would feed you a feast. They were so excited oh, to wow. have you come to their homes. And then also by by just recognizing them, knowing them, then when you went out to the grocery store, when you went to the WAP, they knew you, they recognized you. And it just, you, you developed that relationship with them. And sometimes it wasn't always good, you know, as a principal working with kids, sometimes with discipline issues. But it was important that we work together for that student with their parents and the school together. And I felt like we did a really good job with that. That's just really beautiful. Albert, you work at the plant itself. You were, you were a chaplain there, is that correct? Yes. And now you're working in HR, but you've gotten to know a lot of You've gotten to know a lot of the human side of of that plant, all, the the community of people that work there. Yes. When when I walked through the plant with you the other day, the thing that struck me, and I had never been in such a plant before, and it was very interesting. But the thing that struck me was the sense of community. It was the end of a shift, and people were singing songs, you know, and cheering like at the end of a soccer game or something. And it was just like these people are there. There's an esprit de corps that's in this place. How has that come about, that sense of community there? Well, the sense of community, I guess, people recognizing themselves in others. Hmm. You can see it in the faces of each other, recognizing that we all may not be coming from the same physical location, but there are certain attributes or stories kind of come together, our experiences come together, and also that we have to go together. So we have that diverse population that has well integrated and has been working together in making sure that they take care of one another, support each other, because they know that one person's well-being is also linked to the other one's well-being. So we have that sense of community, but it is also intentional. It is also intentional because you have people from all across the world in different positions of leadership in different areas. So in one way or the other, you are working together, whether sometimes you do that intentionally or not, but that relationship exists and you do coexist. So that has kind of enabled such type of collegiality and friendship to develop within the facility itself and also outside, where people see each other in the same way that maybe others may perceive outside the facility and so on. So with this group of workers, a high percentage of them are immigrants, would, you, would it be mostly Latin America and Africa where folks come from or beyond those places? Actually beyond. So we have quite a significant group from Latin America, Africa, and we do have right now from Asia as well. We do have 
people from Afghanistan who were just recently moved to the U.S. in 2021. You do have people from different parts of the world all together coming from different facets and people of all, of all religions backgrounds. That's another beautiful aspect. You do have Christians, you do have Muslims, you do have Hindu, you have Buddhist and people from just all different walks of life and different geographic regions. You will find them. That's really quite an amazing thing there. You know, in the history of the world, there haven't been that many places with that much diversity. That's a very, very modern phenomenon. What, are you, what do you see as some of the big life issues for people who are moving halfway around the world to a new country, new language? What, what are some of the, the life needs that are common among the population? The first one is usually the needs to belong. You know, when someone is moving from one part of the world to the other, they really want to be at home wherever they are. And I think that's one big life issue that most of the immigrants moving into the community are concerned about. Do I belong here? Can I fully be myself in this particular space? And so on. So there is that one. Then you do also have to recognize that most of these people as well, they have asylees, refugees, people who have different life experiences. So you have the trauma that people are dealing with. Added to that is the isolation that they may be here, but their families are in their back in their home countries with all these challenges and everything. So wanting to wrestle with that and so on. And I guess the other one is just bridging the gap between who they are and the community in which they now seek to belong. Finding ways to build those bridges and make sure that they are not eternal strangers, but they are people who now get integrated into the new community. So that's kind of one life issue. But I guess the other one is also just the surprises of a new reality, because this requires cultural, social, and all these adaptations that need to be made. And that takes a lot out of people as they try to deal with the different services, social services, immigration services, the schools, the different banking system, and all those things. So it just requires that. So you have those life issues that people are faced with on a daily basis and wanting to make sure that they can find a place. And spiritually, it's also, can they live their faith fully without any fear? Because some of the people are coming from backgrounds where there was persecution because of their religious backgrounds and all those kind of things. So that's always in their minds and striving to find what's the best way to be fully themselves, their humanity in its fullness to be expressed in their new community. It takes extraordinary audacity to decide to leave a place that's been home for many generations and to go around the world. And, you know, but, but that's the history of most of the people that live in the United States. Not all, but most of us have a history that somebody way back when decided we're going there and we're crossing an ocean, and in, in many cases, even with modern transportation, we know that, it, that, that, that close family members may, may leave this world. They may die before we get back and see them. It's a huge, huge, audacious thing. And all of you are, are there at the point of receiving them and helping them to make home here. Velma, your church is starting a new worship gathering this fall, for a, a multicultural collection of people, what do you believe needs to be different or distinctive about that gathering that's different from the services you already have? 
at First Methodist Church. Thank you so much for the opportunity. First Lexington, um, I think it, taking into consideration our community, the reality, what um, Audrey has said, what Albert has said, we see the, in, the diversity that we have, not just nationality, culturally and all of that. So our goal is to be able to create a space where people can feel at home. Is how can we meet this need in a, in a context that is Christian, in a context where people come, they grow in their faith, they come to know the Lord, that it's home. And there are a few things that I'm thinking about and taking it into perspective. It's a distinctive of the people who are here. We have people who are here, who are third generation. We have second and we have first generation who are just coming. And so in being intentional about meeting people at well, all these different generations together, and we know that we can't about do that. Like the first generation, most of them won't speak, won't speak English. So how can we consider that as something that we are looking at? The second generation certainly speak English because they have probably gone to school here. Then the third generation, they are almost all American because they are living here and they have, they have been raised here. They were born here. So how can we be that kind of church that takes all of this into consideration, but then is intentionally about multilingual, intentionally multi-generational, intentionally cross-cultural, taking into consideration the food, the music, just everything that comes together with that. So that's, that's the kind of thing that we are dreaming that we think it's going to be like about distinctive about this community uh, where people can come and like say, oh, wow, I feel like home. Everything is not just like my home, but every home, every nationality, every culture comes and feels like this is a place where I belong. This is home for me and I can grow in my faith and I can be able to make a difference. And uh, one thing that we are, we are thinking is, is the, like if we have the second generation, the ability of having someone who speaks maybe Spanish or who speaks French and understands English in the service, but someone who speaks those languages and doesn't understand to be able to still see it in the same congregation with everybody else and hear the word in their language. I think that's going to be the most incredible thing. So you're going to be using some translators as a part of the service? Yes, we are going to use language, trans oh, wow. I language translation. That. We have a few people who are already on our team who speak both languages very fluently. And so we'll have language translation to facilitate. Yeah. Wow. How is the First United Methodist Church body, the existing church, how are they responding to this opportunity? I would say the church is really excited. And I know there are times when we don't understand. Last week we were talking about, in our leadership meeting, talking about the excitement that everybody brings. But then as a pastor and uh, knowing how change impacts, it's like what, is, what are things going to look like when the change finally starts to happen? But I think seeing how the community has responded to the change in the larger community it's a reflection that our church is going to receive it well because there's really the openness and the excitement. So I believe that it's the same people who serve the community. So I think that when we see that change in our community and that integration, it's going to be a joy. I think most of us want to see Revelation 7-9 become a reality. People from every tribe, every tongue, every nation worshiping mm -hmm. together in one place. I think that's what we want to see. And I think our, our church, our leadership is really excited. Our members are really excited about it. So just to each of you, I might ask, what do Americans, what do we need to know about loving people that are new to this country? 
what are a few basic practices that all of us could observe in helping new residents in this country to thrive? Any of you could take that one. I would say from my personal experience, you have to be present. You don't just have to see people from a distance. I know we want to be generous. We want to assist, but be present and meet the people. Welcome them. Know their story. Know their name. That's how you build the bridges and they feel welcome. When they know your name, they know that they can reach out to you and so on. But you also got to respect the differences and the diversity. I guess that's a big factor. Not everyone who is coming in as an immigrant will be Christian. Not all of them will kind of live and value the same things that you value. Not all of them will share the same political or social views that you do share. So we want to kind of respect that and value those differences. So you basically do not have to expect them to be like you, but you just have to reach out and be present with them with whatever situation that they're kind of going through. And you want to journey with them. It's a journey. As people arrive, there is nothing that is set. They begin a new journey of learning how to be themselves in the new community, in the new reality that they are living, and so on. And you have to be open to being transformed. You have to open to being transformed in that relationship. It's not just for the immigrant to be transformed as they embrace the new culture and new norms, but it's also for us to be transformed in those encounters to embrace the new teachings and learnings that's come in building that relationship. And it begins, it sounds like, in stepping forward to say hello and to meet people and to be open to their stories. I've, I've been teaching with, with church hospitality topic for years that once people know six people by name and they miss you when you're not there, whether you join the church or not, you're kind of in at that point. And I think that might be true in a neighborhood as well. You know, if there's six people that know you by name, you begin to feel like, well, this is my, this is my place. I used to always um, say everyone smiles in the same language. And so just that initial smile to that new immigrant that walked in the door, or if you know what country they were coming from, how do you say hello? How to say hola? How to, you know, just, just that one little, take that initiative to reach out. Wow. I'm going to add uh, that being an immigrant, we did something together in partnership with Tyson, working with the Chadian community, helping them to transition. And that looks like a whole big deal, but it was so simple because those were like basic things that people come in and don't know. What is the process to get a driver's license? Mm -hmm. How do I get hospital bill? Which kind of insurance is good? What are the things that are culturally accepted here and that accepted in your culture that are not accepted here? What are some of those basic things that I think uh, at times we feel, we, we've grown and we know that, we imagine that people just come in and know it automatically. But helping in those little things can be just really, really helpful. But I think one big deal, most of the people who come in the U.S. come from around the world, but the global south is a big, that's a place where many of the people are coming from. And there are people who live in community. There are people who do live in community. And 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 Audrey talked about moving into their homes. But also when we open their, our homes to them and say, hey, will you come and have lunch in my house? It makes a whole lot of difference. It might not be a meal they have eaten before, but just the fact that our doors were open to them 
makes them feel like they belong. Oh, wow. They took me in and, and it makes a host. And I think that's something that we have to be so intentional about because that's the culture that people come from, just opening our doors and let them in. And when we have events, especially for, for, for maybe some of them will come and they leave all of their families. Like the men will come here and they leave all of their families, like families. If, they, if someone invites them, oh, would you come and join my family for this event, 4th of July? It leaves a seal on their heart that they won't forget. It's not a big thing. So I think it's, it's something that we have to intentionally start thinking about how can we open those doors and let them in. And I think it's just those simple things about how can I help you? Um, can I can I show you where this is? Can I drive you? You know, I was amazed being in education how much those people truly trusted me. And they trusted me with their children. And and so whether it was like, okay, where do they go to the doctor? Or their tooth was hurting. You know, I had a parent about a year ago come in that I had their ch- children 15, 20 years ago, and she needed help. She didn't know how to reach out to out to find the resources, but she knew she could trust me. And I think that's just, you know, being neighborly, being kind. How can I help you? How can I show you? We don't all speak the same language, but but there's that common, I want to help you and you can help me and I can learn from you just as you can learn from me. Now, the three of you happen to be United Methodists, but, but you're Christian people and you've been on the front lines of serving your neighbors. How do you see your relationship to one another in your varied ministries? Because I can see some kind of partnership that maybe it's not explicit, but I see it here. But how do you how do you relate to one another as colleagues? I think for me it's a blessing when I know that Pastor Belma is around the corner and I can always text her anytime whenever there is something because there is that trust and friendship as United Methodist. We know what we value, we know our beliefs, and we know that we respect, we extend grace and love to all the people in different situations. That makes me comfortable, not just in my role previously as a chaplain, but also as an HR manager now to say, I trust that if I refer you to Pastor Belmar, you will be in good hands. You will be taken care of safely, and so on. But it's also knowing that you are referring to pe- you are referring people to those that you know will value them for who they are. Because one of the things that we have to recognize is that the social views and imaginations across denominations are totally different when it comes to how do we embrace immigrants and so on. But knowing that there is a place where these people will feel at home, will feel loved. You know, just a few, maybe a year or something ago, we had, I had one of my colleagues who they needed a place to celebrate and so on. And I was immediately saying, telling them, why don't, I can guide you to the Methodist church. These are Muslim believers who needed a place to gather and be together. And the United Methodist Church has a fellowship hall. And that created that opportunity, fully knowing that when they go into that space, they will be valued, welcomed and loved for who they are and not rejected or kind of viewed with suspicion or kind of considered differently. So it's really a blessing that we get. And for us also, when we get like the partnership we have with the church on the Chadian population that started arriving here, it was a blessing for us from a business perspective 
to be able to help people settle into the community, access some of these services, build these relationships that help us in one way or the other because these people work with us. Yeah, and I'll add that as a pastor, like Albert said, it's been um, uh, really incredible because I feel like I have access into Tyson because of that relationship. If there's something we have to do, I know who I can call. If there is a partnership or there is something that has to relate to Tyson, I know who I can call and I know I can easily get access or get answers or get results. And there are several times somebody's going to walk into my office and say, Pastor Albert sent me. And it makes a whole lot of difference. And I think that's just incredible. And there are some things I can answer, some things I can't. And then we'll see how do we connect to that person. And and that's been really, really helpful. And I would say for the school, apart from Audrey being the principal, we have several other people on staff in the entire school system. And I remember when the school year was open, when the last year school year was starting, I got invited to the opening and I actually hosted one of the teachers here at my house for about six months and I think it's because of the partnership that we have just give her time to able to transition and get her own place I feel like that's the kingdom of God that's how we should be where it's not just one person because in this kind of community we need that kind of partnership where the school and the church and businesses are partnering together to be able to see that the people who live in the community have lives that are fulfilled that are whole that are accomplished as you have been living into your calling, being a, a neighbor and a friend and a servant to the newest among us, what's been a surprise in your work over the last year or two? What's, what's been surprising? There are multiple surprises that whenever you walk into our facility, you're surprised when you get to discover the people. You discover engineers you discover that there are doctors, you discover there are pilots, you discover they have all these skills and backgrounds that you would hardly imagine just from an American perspective that they could be working here or in this particular space. You will also be surprised by the blessings that you see happening in the community when people come together. Whenever you go to the mosque, for instance, you will see people from all across the world, people from Africa, Asia, any parts of the world, all coming together and so on. Whenever there is a person in need, you will see everybody jumping in to make sure that we take care of that person. So there are those small, but also bigger things that you see it happening on a daily basis. And you will be amazed like, wow, I could not imagine this. I did not envision this. So you have that type of friendship and relationship that you do experience every day. And also the transformation that does happen. The transformation that does happen when those relationships come into play. When people begin to build those relationships, get to each other, get to know one another, the trust that they have. Like Audrey said, once you go into their home so they know you, you develop that trust. And that trust, they know that I may not know where this particular service or where I can get this, but I know someone that I can reach out who will show me to the right place. So you will be amazed to see those people who you have helped or met with a few years ago still reaching out to you because of that trust that has been developed. Audrey, 
if indeed folks are coming who had professional careers that have been tabled for the moment as because they moved into a different country and they're working in a in a very different kind of field because that's what they need to do to to, to survive it sounds like maybe you're getting some pretty smart kids that are coming into the schools we definitely are you know and i think that's one thing sometimes people think when Students speak another language they don't understand. Oh, but they do, you know, and and once they start, it's just like they just blossom. And what, you know, what I think, what our students that are here, that have been here, can learn from them. I think one of the best things about walking into our high school is everybody's welcome here. And kids want to be here. I, you know, I, I, I told you the day when you were here that our attendance rate is 97%. You know, kids want to feel be here. They feel safe. They feel wanted. They feel loved. They know they have people that truly care about them. This past year, we have a organization, the Susan Buffett Foundation gave over 30, 30 scholarships plus to 30 of our seniors here at the high school. It's a full ride to, to college. I mean, these kids are, they're going places. They are, they're doing things. So yeah, we have great kids. Well, you're each making a wonderful difference in the lives of God's children, and you've each been blessed. But if you would just think about one blessing that you've received by being in the place of service where you have been, what what's one thing that comes to mind? A blessing for you. I would say for me, it's extended family. Today, actually, I just had somebody walk into my office, and then I got to go to their home and met their four children and the wife and... It's like we have known ourselves a long time. <laughs> mm. And it's, it's that kind of, of relationship where you meet strangers and the strangers become family and become people that not only can they rely on you, but then you can rely on them. This bond forms that is, it goes beyond a walk. It's beyond a job. It's an extended family. And for me, it's just been incredible. And I would say for me, they're not just they're they're not just the students. They were my kids too. So when they had successes, I celebrated with them. But when they had those hardships, you know, we struggled through it with them as well, because we love them. Hmm. For me, it's more of like being embraced. You know, every weekend I get invitations to different parties and celebrations that people are having from all around. Whenever someone is traveling from their home country, they're bringing you something unique from their culture and experiences and so on, because they, they consider you as one of them. And to me, that's really a biggest blessing to know that people take me to heart, even when they're not physically in this particular space, but wherever they are, they know that I can trust them, they can trust me and we can work together regardless of our religious differences and views and everything. I've been embraced deeply by my, by most, my Muslim brothers and sisters who are always reaching out despite them fully knowing that I'm a Christian and so on. But we do interact. We do get into those conversations about faith and spirituality. We do get into those services where we need to help each other, support each other. So being fully embraced and considered as one of those people is just a unique blessing. Friends, I am visiting today with Velma and Albert and Audrey, who have led in very particular ways within the community of Lexington, Nebraska, as it has embraced 
hundreds and hundreds of really thousands of new people to the United States coming there primarily because of the meat processing plant, which employs people from around the world. It's been an inspirational conversation, and I am just really pleased to be connected with all three of you as a part of the United Methodist Church. We we show up in a lot of places seeking to love God's children. I thank God for each of you, and I think you'd be pretty lucky to draw Lexington as your entry point into the United States of America. Thank you. You bet. You bet. Thank you. This is the Church's Changing Podcast. It is a ministry of the United Methodist Church. Church's Changing Podcast is a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Music is by Sanjay Singh. Visit all our podcasts at podcast.umcdiscipleship.org.